Last spring, you chose hardworking seed, but did it work as hard as you did? At NK Seeds, we know that all the time, all the effort comes down to this. All that matters now is yield and how the seed perform on your acre. Because you can't fake performance. And bushels don't lie. Local results coming soon. Visit nkseeds.com slash harvest. Welcome to America, the land of junk sleep. Where it's bedtime, but you're double booked. Here there's always one more deadline to meet, episode to watch, or meme to share. The world may not want you to sleep, but we do. Only the sleep experts at Mattress Firm can help you find the right bed at the right price. Unjunk your sleep. In-store or online at mattressfirm.com today. Today, Carl and Nick are joined once again by draft analyst Eric Trickle to recap the college football championship game, finish off their all-draft eligible teams with defense, and look ahead to some of the offensive players that are going to be in mobile for the Senior Bowl. You're listening to the Huddle Up Draft Podcast. Welcome to the Huddle Up Podcast, your go-to show for all things Broncos. Once again, Broncos country, it is time to huddle up draft style. I am your host, Carl Dumler, and with me as always, I have my co-host, Nick Kendall. We are joined once again by Mile High Huddle Senior Draft Analyst, Eric Trickle, to break down the Alabama versus Georgia game from a draft prospect perspective. Finish off each of our all-draft eligible team with our defensive player picks. And of course, look ahead to the Senior Bowl that, that I get to go to very, very soon. And look at some of the offensive players that we are all excited about to follow down there in Mobile here later this month. Eric, how are things going over there? <laughs> Pretty good, except for the ER trip yesterday. Have a kidney stone. Not fun. Yeah, it wasn't fun for me either. <laughs> Here's too much information. <laughs> uh, I, I thought about sharing some of my stories about my appendix and some of the tests they had to do. They would have made you cringe as well there, Nick, but I, I decided to hold on to those for now. Pulling out a stint, that's a hard pass. <laughs> Did I ever tell you that I once sliced my ear in half and had it super glued back together? That's why you look like that. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, I had not heard that story. Honestly, the worst I've ever done is when I was in like fifth grade, I was at a cousin's birthday party and their house used to have a pool and like the deck had an opening for where the pool used to be. And we were dumbasses jumping off that area, and somebody pushed me, and I landed and broke my arm. So there's like a rock arm bone, thankfully. I've broken quite a few. I need to. I need to up my milk content. Osteoporosis is real. Take. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I broke my arm, elbow. I've broken out teeth, three toes. What else? I've probably broken a toe before. Um, yeah, I don't know. There, there's a few other things. I've got third degree burn on my arm, one spot. That's not great. No. How'd you break your teeth? First time was chasing a kid around that had made fun of another kid. And uh, I tripped over a chair and landed headfirst into another chair. Ah. And then second time, about a month later, was I happened to have a metal pole in my hand and a girl grabbed a hold of it. And we were fighting back and forth. And then she let go and I smacked myself in the face and broke off the same teeth. Oh, jeez. A month later? A month later. 
I bet your parents were stoked. <laughs> they were so happy. Yeah, no, but that's yeah, moving things along here. I'm just talking about getting. Uh, we got to have you moderate here, Eric. Did you read both Carl and I's piece? No, I did not. God. Oh, man. Damn it, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> I am notoriously, notoriously bad at reading other people's articles. Like they, um, for years, people will send them to me, like, hey, you should read this article of mine. I'm like, okay, I'll get to it. And I never do. Then they ask me for my opinion. And it's like, oh, I still haven't read it yet. Here, I'll quickly skim through it and try to get like what I need. But yeah. You don't no, support I, us? I haven't read it. I so click what? on them. <laughs> I just end up closing them because I end up getting sidetracked with other stuff. Well, you, sh- you should be able to answer this question then. Pick five comes around for the Broncos and Saquon Barkley is there. Are you good with the Broncos taking him or not? Oh, yes, I'm good with them taking him. Okay. Who's so the best side. player in the draft? So. <laughs> so you side with Nick on this one. Which yeah. I, I do too, honestly. I know people are going to read that and go, oh my goodness, how could this guy want us not <laughs> to take this kid? They're, they're just draft debates. We're trying to get both sides of the story going and just kind of give you a different perspective on what's good, what's bad, and taking a certain player. But yes, Saquon Barkley, easily the best player in this draft. Yeah, and this whole draft debate thing, it's a nice opening into what we have planned with um, Khalid too. With our quarterback piece pieces. That'll be good. That'll be very good. Hashtag. Now there, we actually all completely support our person. <laughs> yeah. We support yeah. our quarterback, and we sit there and try to talk down everybody else's quarterback. I don't have to talk my guy up. He'll talk him up. He'll talk himself up. Who did you get again? <laughs> I got the Rosen, the chosen one, Josh Rosen. Oh, yeah. Don't need um, school or whatever it was. I mean, it's a full-time job. So, but yeah, no, it's uh, looking forward to those draft debate pieces going forward. And next one that Carl and I were talking about doing was Bradley Chubb. And I'm going to take the against Bradley Chubb and he's going to take four. So that'll be a fun one to get out there. But yeah, moving on, Carl or Carl, if you want a little bit of a transition. Yeah, well, moving ahead here so we can get to all the good stuff that we have prepared for you. We want you to know that the Huddle Up 2018 Draft Show's focus is all things that relate to your Denver Broncos as it pertains to the upcoming NFL Draft. With Nick and myself, and of course Eric being Draftaholics, we'll be bringing you fresh insight and analysis each week in every single episode from scouting reports, player value, scheme, and personnel fits, and general draft-related banter. You can follow myself on Twitter at MHH, as well as follow Nick at MHH and Eric at Eric Trickle. Be sure to tweet us any questions or opinions you have because we live for talking Bronco football and of course the draft. You can also follow the podcast Twitter account at HuddleUpPod. And make sure you check out ours and our co-writers' written content at milehighhuddle.com, a part of scout.com, an affiliate of the CBS Sports Digital Network. We know you listeners are as football, draft, and Bronco crazy as we are. So please give us a click and subscribe to us on iTunes as well as Stitcher. And don't forget to share us on Facebook and Twitter. We wouldn't be here today without you listeners. So as a call to action, please go take the time to go to iTunes or Spreaker and rate and subscribe to let your voices be heard on how you enjoy the show. Well, boys... Let's just start off with the most recent college football action. And what a game. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Alabama, Georgia, two SEC schools game that just I can't believe how it turned out. Honestly, probably the best single coaching game in Nick Saban's career. I mean, what he was able to do with the injury that they had and that flip of quarterbacks being down 13 to nothing at halftime and coming back to get the win in overtime. I mean, I'm not a fan of Alabama, but be in awe of what he's done with that program. I mean, 
arguably one of the best college football dynasties ever. And this might have been the crown jewel for the adversity that they had to overcome in this game. Yeah, they're definitely the New England Patriots of college football. You either love them or you hate them. There's really no in between. And Bruce Arians went on a radio show and he mentioned that Nick Saban has his eyes for the New York Giants job. And if that's true, this is one great game for him to cement his legacy as a Bama Crimson Tide head coach and move on. Yeah, and just what what a game. So many awesome players in this game, obviously. I'm pretty confident in saying that these were the best two teams in college football this year. I think the two teams after them, I think Clemson in the end was a little bit overrated. I think Ohio State might have taken them. But Oklahoma, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, those are the best four teams in my opinion in hindsight. I'm guessing the polls will reflect that if they haven't already released them. But man, talk about talent across the board. Georgia on offense, I mean, you got to start the two running backs. Nick Chubb and Sonia Michelle. We've talked about in the last couple of weeks, and I was a little bit disappointed in the offensive game plan. Eric and I were talking about this before we started recording, before Carl joined us today, that they kept running so- Nick Chubb in the game, and they just couldn't get any traction up the middle. This game, in my opinion, overall was one for Alabama. Obviously, making the quarterback change was big, but two defense, interior defensive linemen absolutely dominated, absolutely dominated the interior offensive line for Georgia. They could not do anything to run. On Payne, who's draft eligible, probably a first-round pick. Maybe not because he's not as much of a pass rusher, although I think he's definitely more talented than Dalvin Tomlinson is, at least athletic as a pass rusher. And Dalvin Tomlinson might have been underdrafted considering how good he was this year for the Giants. So maybe Deron Payne moves up. But the other guy that I am just full-blown in love with for Alabama is six foot seven, 310-pound Raquan Davis, who's a sophomore. Not draft eligible yet, but looks like a future top 15, top 10 pick. I mean, they were creating so many plays that Georgia just had no response for. Raquan Davis also had an interception in the game, so that was big. And just, I mean, just so much talent with those guys. And once you took away that interior run game that Georgia had, especially with Nick Chubb, even though they kept giving him the ball for some reason, 18 carries. Nick Chubb's average for the game, 1.4 yards per carry. So they absolutely shut down Nick Chubb. Kind of a sad way for him to go out in his college career, which is a pretty good college career. But that's where the game was won to me. I think shutting down those Alabama running backs. Very impressed by Sony Michelle. I mean, 14 carries for 98 yards and seven yards per carry against this Alabama front seven, this Alabama defense. I don't understand why they don't keep giving him the ball more. I mean, he was very effective. Get him the ball in space. I mean, not even really use that much as a receiver either. So interesting. Georgia came out that first half, played great. But in the end, that Alabama talent on defense, with the help of some lucky bounces as well, I will add, was enough to pull through. And just what a, what a great game. The biggest one that really stood out, obviously, was the freshman quarterback. One of the big reasons why I picked Bama to beat Georgia is I thought he would kind of struggle on the big stage. And his poise and composure was outstanding. It's like he'd been playing on that stage all of his life. There's a reason why he's getting already being compared to Andrew Luck and being mentioned as one of the best quarterback, as the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck and possibly even before that. The issue is that Christian Hackenberg got similar things and obviously you have to see how they continue to grow. As you mentioned with Michelle and Chubb, Chubb didn't really perform because the Alabama defensive line shut down that interior. It really cramped Chubb's running style, and Michelle was able to take advantage of it. This was a game where, with that running back, you had to go with the hot hand. The hot hand was Michelle, and they just didn't do it, and I think that really hurt the offense and potentially um, lost them the game. There was one play that I saw that I want to highlight the receiver. I can't remember his name, though. Throw was a little bit high in a way, and he just goes out, reaches out, gets it for, a, I think, like a 16-yard gain. It was pretty big. But for Bama, 
anytime you talk look at this game, you have to talk about the Bama defensive line because Payne and Davis were unstoppable. You doubled one, the other one would beat you. You switch it up, and then again, the other one would beat you. Couldn't stop him. Evans, I thought he looked great, the inside linebacker, and he cemented himself as my number two inside linebacker. I thought that maybe, um, Nick, your favorite Virginia Tech linebacker may may unseat him, but I went and watched him today, and I don't see that happening. The one that caught my eye the most for Bama is that offensive tackle of theirs. This kid is going to be something special, and I can't wait to see him grow. I am disappointed in the game I saw from Minka Fitzpatrick. I went through and I was trying to keep my eye on him, and I just came away disappointed, and I kept looking away, finding someone else, either Evans or one of the defensive linemen or even another defensive back. They would catch my eye, and I'd just look away. Yeah, I would argue that Anthony Averett, the cornerback that showed pretty good in run support, and one of the guys that Carl's mentioned before that he really likes, and Levi Wallace, both had pretty outstanding games, and especially in that second half. They really... Fromm got a little bit more erratic in that second half happened, but those cornerbacks had a pretty darn good game. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I thought they really bounced back nicely. Georgia, here, here's what I have to say since I'm a wide receiver guy. Javon Wims and Riley Ridley, that first half, they were such bigger playmakers than I've seen all season. They were making catches with guys draped all over them that, I mean, most of the time, Alabama, those are knockdown passes. That's what they love. They love to get physical with wide receivers. And Georgia came out and they matched that physicality. That's what I loved. I love that those wide receivers were willing to go up there and make the tough catches. But again, just second half, it it wasn't quite there. And and from he was just he was a little erratic this game. He he didn't quite calm down like you saw against Oklahoma. He was kind of the the reverse of the Oklahoma game where he started out just on fire, making some great passes, and then just kind of lost it as the as the game kind of switched momentum as later on. Um, and I just I was a little disappointed in how they they played that second half because I really thought I mean there, there's no way that Bama can come back. Bama is not a team that plays from behind. They have a lead 99% of the time throughout the entire season, and the teams they lose to are the ones that get those early leads and they just can't make a comeback. And and like you said, that switch to the Tua. Oh my goodness. Uh, that was that was one of the most bold moves I've ever seen a college coach ever make. You go from your quarterback that's been the starter for the last 2 years, helped you already win one national championship, almost win another one, and and you bench him at halftime in the biggest game of the year. But hey, it was a bold statement and and that's what they had to do. They had to get the guy that could actually pass. Jalen Hurts was not going to go out there and win you that game. So kudos to to Saban for making such a decision. And kudos for Alabama just making some huge plays. I mean, the plays they had to make. You knew they had to get some turnovers. You knew that they had to get some big plays down the field. And boom, they just they showed up great. And you saw some some great freshman play. That's what's so crazy in this game was the freshman took over. <laughs> Najee Harris. He was behind Sonny Michelle. He was the second best running back on the field this last game. And he's big. He is big. He's what is he? 6'2", 230 pounds. And he has wiggle. Man, he I was he was the number one rated running back recruit in the entire country last year, and it's pretty obvious why. That dude is going to be a problem for years to come. Yeah, you you combine him with what Tua's going to bring. They're going to have Jonah Williams back next year. That offense is going to be pretty darn stacked again. I that might be one of the better Alabama offenses that that we'll see in a while. And uh, anybody else, I, I felt so bad for this. 
the camera zooming in on Jalen Hurts in that second half. I, I just I, I felt like what was going through his mind is where am I transferring to? FIU. You're gonna go hook up with Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin had some insight today that Tua was actually talking about transferring if he didn't get in this game. I did see something about that. I don't know how much I want to believe Lane Kiffin though. Yeah, I mean he likes to stir the pot, but pretty interesting. Pretty interesting for sure. Uh, talking about the Georgia offensive line. Isaiah Wynn, I thought, did have a pretty good game. He's definitely destined for the inside, but he was probably the only guy in that Georgia offensive line that showed up. I think I saw a stat that said he gave up zero pressures and was pretty good in the run game as well. He's just not going to be a tackle in the NFL, which is fine. He needs somebody that we'll talk about probably next week because he's going to be at the Senior Bowl. On the defensive side for... Oh, and also, how about Riley Ridley? I mean, showing up his brother. Calvin Ridley is obviously going to go pretty high in the draft. We're fans of him. But Riley Ridley, six receptions, 82 yards. I think that was a career high in both those categories. And I'm excited to watch him going forward. Definitely a, a fun guy. And, I mean, I don't think he'll surpass his brother, but you never know. On the defense side, Georgia played pretty well. I was impressed with Roquan Smith. I still have some issues with him when you run right at him. I don't think he's the most physical at uh, filling gaps and shedding blocks. But his athleticism, great awareness, and just ability to play sideline to sideline is really just a mismatch. Really reminds me a lot of Deion Jones. Just watching him, Deion Jones is a little bit undersized, but that speed and those instincts are great. And that's definitely a change for a changer for any defense in the NFL. I really, really like what I see from Lorenzo, Lorenzo Carter. He's not really a true edge rusher. He'll play a three-four edge, I think, in the NFL. But he's going to need to add a, definitely a lot of pass rush moves. He's right now he's more of a a coverage three, four outside linebacker, if anything. Kind of, he really reminds me of Anthony Barr. And from what I've heard, he's going to be just another freak of the combine. So a guy that I'm, I'm a big fan of, especially if you're playing more, of the, more and more of those hybrid fronts. And then the defensive line for Georgia, not the best game from them, but both the, they have two young defensive tackles that really stood out to me. Tyler Clark, again this week, had a good game. But the guy who really stood out in that Georgia defensive line, Trenton Thompson. Do you remember that play? It was a screen or whatever, Some one of those Georgia wide receivers or backs was kind of making some plays. And then Trenton Thompson absolutely freaking leveled the guy because he was just getting a little too cute. And Trenton Thompson was pursuing the ball. I think that guy went out like two plays later because he was still hurt. Yes, he did. Yeah. He actually bounced up and then he saw him two plays later holding his side with cuckoo birds flying around his head. He was absolutely <laughs> killed. Yeah. He should have been taken out right after that hit. They should have just known right away. Get that guy out of there. That was to see a big guy running down the field like that, running sideline to sideline. That's always good to see, just that effort. I'm a big effort guy. It's one of the first things I look for in a player. And, yeah, I love seeing that guy run down the field. He's been a little bit up and down this season. I think he was the number one defensive tackle recruit in the nation when he went to Georgia. But very athletic. He's a junior. Talk is he's going to return for his senior year. So definitely uh, him and Tyler Clark next year, really strong front. I wouldn't be surprised if these two teams met again in the playoffs next year. If not, then the SEC championship game in must-watch football. Then we got to talk about the best player on Georgia's entire team, Chad Jensen. No, I'm just kidding. Rodrigo Blankenship wearing the the, uh, the beard, the mustache, and the uh, the rec league goggles, uh, so to speak. Redshirt sophomore, and man, that guy. He talk about the kickers in this game. I know that the kicker for Alabama missed that one at the end, but both those guys hit some were pretty impressive. And I'm gonna ask both you guys out of ten with the helmet on, how much does Rodrigo Blankenship look like, Chad? But eight out of ten. Eight? Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll go seven. Seven? Okay. I'm, yeah, I'm, we're honestly yeah. just putting this in there to tease Chad when he's listening to this. So, Chad, we're just giving you a hard time. We love you. 
but on, on to Alabama. Yeah, talk about that freshman came in. Tua Tagavolia. Man, what what a great play. Kind of, I don't, aesthetically pleasing. Left-handed quarterbacks aren't always the best to watch. Kind of gives me some PTSD with Tebow. But man, he he's somebody that's going to be fun to watch going forward. There was that one play that he had where he just slipped out of those tackles on third down and ran for it. I mean, after that, I was like, man, this kid might might bring this team back. And he he did. Damian Harris, kind of a letdown performance, performance, but man, you'd mentioned it, Carl. Najee Harris, going to be a problem in the SEC for the next few years. I hope they don't run him to the, to the ground and they use a nice tandem back there, or at least a committee, because that kid, I don't want him to have 10,000 carries by the time he comes to the NFL. I want him a little bit fresh. Unfortunately, Jonah Williams did get hurt, I think. Carl and I were, or Eric and I were talking about that before you came on, Carl. Jonah Williams, if he was in this draft, top five pick. That kid is a legitimate franchise left tackle very fun there's no even there's not even a debate that he'd yeah. be the best tackle in this draft class yeah he, he, he would have been the best draft he would have been the best tackle for the last two drafts now or for this upcoming one and the last one broncos would have been trying to get this guy instead of instead of bulls i mean that, that's just how good this guy is since his freshman year he is just dominated and it's not that he's just so much physically better than everyone else he is obviously, you know, good size, perfect prototype size and a good athlete. But for his age, his technical proficiency at that edge is unbelievable. I mean, you see he's always playing balanced. Uh, his pads are directly above his feet. Good bend. I mean, doesn't ever seem out of whack with his hand placement. He's just, he's a load. So I'm, I'm, really, I'm really impressed by him. It was unfortunate that he went down. Unfortunate for Alabama, too. Lester Cotton, their right guard, didn't play this game. He got hurt in the game before, and they, they really missed him especially those running backs running up the middle because Lester Cotton has been good for them. And he's a junior. I'm not sure he'll come out, but if he does, Cotton's one that I think could rise up. I know the Alabama unit as a whole, especially the offensive line, sometimes those guys are overdrafted, but I really like what I saw from him. Yeah, it'll, that depend on, defense. it'll depend on how serious his injury is on if to, if he, as to if he comes out or not. Because if it's a serious injury, he's not going to come out and sit there and have to go through rehab while trying to help his draft stock because that's just that's just dangerous and it never pans out. You always see these guys end up falling far in the draft. So if it's serious, he'll return to school and then come out. And then obviously he's out next year. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think it was that serious of an injury, but I mean, who knows? I, I just know that they ruled him out. And for on defense for Alabama, I mean, we kind of talked about it a bit. Those defensive tackles dominated. I got to say, though, I mean, we're talking about Raekwon Davis, who looks like a Madden, just kind of a fake character because his dimensions are unbelievable for how athletic he is. Terrell Lewis, number 24 for Bama. Same exact thing. That kid is a monster. Six foot five, 255 pounds, plays edge and off ball at just a sophomore. What, just what a freak. Alabama has so, there's so much talent. That's unbelievable. I also really like what I saw from Isaiah Bugs. He's a transfer junior for them on that defensive line. He'll probably be starting opposite of Raquan Davis next year. Very talented. And a linebacker who hadn't played so much before. I think this was his best game he ever had, but he ended up leading Bama in tackles. He even had a sack, too, in Mac Wilson. 12 tackles, 7 tolo, and 2 tackles for loss. So, another sophomore. This Bama team, just so much talent. I was a little bit disappointed in Ronnie Harrison. I think that he's somebody that he's solid. He's got good size, but I feel like his athleticism maybe is not as high as I'd want from that strong safety position. He's kind of maybe a little bit of that safety linebacker tweener, which might push him down the boards depending on how he tests. But again, so much talent on this Bama team and especially on defense. 
I just I, I wanted to kind of I guess back up on the 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 Mac Wilson that the linebacker for them. I just watching Alabama. I've come away so impressed by him. He's a guy that I just see making so many different plays, just being in the right place at the right time to make an interception or fumble or just he just seems to be everywhere. And I just think that, that guy has maybe one of the higher ceilings I've seen from an Alabama linebacker, which is saying something. It really is. Alabama is definitely becoming linebacker you. Yeah, that's so much talent. And again, just a sophomore, not even draft eligible. Out of these guys we talk, uh, talked about for Alabama, Damian Harris is eligible. Didn't even talk about Bo Scarborough, man. We, we are not fans. I'll speak for all of you guys. <laughs> Guy Injuries. He should come out because he's not going to get any better, but he just does not look good to me. Not at all. He's really overrated because of that picture of how he looked in, what, 10th grade? Yeah. 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 <laughs> not that good. Payne had a great game. Minka Fitzpatrick had a solid game. I was talking with Luke. I said, I honestly wasn't that impressed with Minka. And he's like, Luke's like, what are you talking about? They just used him in a weird way, but he did exactly what they wanted. So I think you can, uh, we'll have to talk with Luke, Eric, but I think he's a Minka fan. Evan was all over the field. Ronnie Harrison, not that I don't like Minka. Sorry, I'd bring it back, but just, you know, not best safety of all time that some make him out to be. He's just so, not a top 15 player. That doesn't mean he's bad. It yeah. just means he's not a top 15 player. He's not a top 15 talent. There's a lot of, this is, of course, my opinion. There are a lot of issues with his game and how that'll translate to the NFL level that will make me cautious taking him before in the top 15. Now, in that 10 to 15 range, depending on who's there, yeah, I can see and I'll, I'll listen to arguments about it then. But in the top 10, definitely no way, and I have a hard time even 10 to 15. I think from a tape perspective, I agree with you, but from what I've heard about his intangibles, I could see him get pushed to the top 10 because – everybody raves about him and I could see him being one of those guys that does decent enough at the combine, you know, matches up with some of the hype and then people get to meet with him and talk with him. I think coaches and front office people might fall in love with Minka, a dude. What I always come, they could, but what I always come back to is the tape. Yeah. Like I get it. You can, you can be impressed with the kid all you want because there have been countless ones who've been impressive in the meeting rooms, impressive in interviews, impressive on the whiteboard that have gone on to fail. And most of those guys, if you look back at their college tape, it wasn't that good. Not all. There are some that have gone on to, that had great college tape and failed. There's some that have went on and been successful. But it's just because they're doing, they're like that, doesn't mean that they automatically should get boosted into the top 10. It's, you base it on tape. Yes, there's these other intangibles, but what you have to go on the biggest thing for how they will play on the football field is the tape. That should be, that is the number one thing that you look at for any prospect, what they do on tape. Then you can start getting into what they do in the interviews, what they do on the whiteboard, um, their size, their other measurables, their athleticism, like how, what they do at the combine, things like that. But it's always tape first. And with Minka Fitzpatrick's tape, especially that, awful Tennessee game he had. I just don't see it. And you mentioned Luke, and I will happily debate this with Luke. <laughs> All right. Well, we need to sell, set that up for pay-per-view or something. That could be a good one. <laughs> but anyway, moving on, because we still have a fair amount to get to. We are going to wrap up our all-draft-eligible team. And just to recap the offensive picks from last week, Eric, you had quarterback Baker Mayfield, running back Saquon, running back Damian Harris, wide receiver Calvin Ridley, wide receiver Christian Kirk, Tight end Dallas Goddard, which is an exciting one. I'm excited to see more of him. Tight end slash wide receiver Dalton Schultz. 
uh, all-around offensive weapon, Miles Gaskin, and then an offensive line of Connor Williams, Quentin Nelson, Frank Ragnow, Will Hernandez, and Orlando Brown Jr. Carl, you had quarterback Sam Darnold, running backs Barkley and Geis, wide receivers Ridley and Kirk, tight ends Andrews and Hurst, uh, all-around weapon Damian Harris, an offensive line of Williams, Nelson, Billy Price, Isaiah Wynn, and Martinez Rankin. And then mine, obviously the best team, okay. Josh Rosen at quarterback, uh, running backs Barkley and Geis, wide receivers Calvin Ridley, and Auden Tate, which everyone's starting to get on that hype train, if you haven't seen it on draft Twitter. Uh, Mark Andrews at tight end. My tight end slash wide receiver went Christian Kirk, actually. As much as being a guy of two tight end formation, I went with a wide receiver there. My all-around guy went with Jalen Samuels. And my offensive line, Connor Williams, Quentin Nelson, Billy Price, Martinez Rankin, and Mike McGlinchey, which I went back and forth with Mike McGlinchey or Orlando Brown there. And I just wanted to get McGlinchey in there to be different. But uh, overall, pretty good. But now we're going to go to the defense, and I am excited to hear your guys' picks. We had 13 offensive guys. We're only going to do 12 defensive guys, so pretty much a, a base look and a nickel look. So five defensive backs and a front seven as well. So Eric, start us off. From the top, give us all your front seven. So defensive line to linebackers. Well, looking at a multiple packages and being a hybrid front, um, I think I'd, I'd, I'd be shocked if there's more than one difference between the three of us because you have Vea from Washington, Payne from Alabama, Brian from Florida and Bradley Chubb. Those are my four, my four front guys. You can sit here and you can do all different kinds of things with all four of them. Two of them or three of them can apply enough pressure. Two, three of them can really stop the run. You can do all these different things with them. Multiple hybrid fronts, just a bunch of versatility amongst them. Because even Vea, the biggest of the bunch, as a true nose tackle, he's not. You can. There's plenty of film on him lining up as a five tech and destroy an offensive lineman. And it's fantastic. Oh, those are the exact same ones I have. So I'm not even going to waste time talking about that. I agree with you. <laughs> Beat if I hit Tavin Bryan and Dron Payne and base packages would kind of be more of a three, four with Dron Payne as that nose tackle. They as that three slash five. And then Brian as that five slash seven slash three. And then Chubb, I know that we've had a little bit of debates on his ability to play three, four Eric, but I've, in such a multiple front, especially when you're going to be switching back and forth, and for just this exercise being an all-draft eligible team, I'm with you. I think Bradley Chubb's the best pure edge rusher in this class, and he's got to be in there. Yeah, it's just the versatility he brings to the front. Is You can line up in a 4-3 look, you can line up in a 3-4 look, look, and you can leave him on the field. What about you, Carl? Are you the same with the defensive line? Oh, man, i got to be the different guy, huh? Oh, man. I mean, you don't have to be. I, I, trust your gut. You don't have to be the different guy. No, Maybe I... we should I, throw in a different name now. I, I am. I, I have one different guy. I have Deron Payne, okay. Bradley Chubb, and, and and Via. I have those three for sure. I don't have okay. your boy, Nick. Okay, went, who are you wrong on? I went with Clellan Farrell. Hey. Over Tavin Bryan? Yep. Ooh. I know, I know. Ooh. And it's just, <laughs> I, I went with him a little bit because, one, I've heard just so many good things about the leadership side of things. and And two, I do think he's just a guy that's still beginning to Still, still figuring out the position a little bit. I think he can still get better than what he's he's already shown on tape. And so I just went ahead with him. I think he can be kind of that little bit. I think he can play a little bit outside linebacker. I think if you work with him a little bit, that that's something that he's capable of doing. He's got a good first step. He's got some bend to his game. He's got the power. So I get. I I just went with him instead of of your boy, my son, Tevin Bryan. <laughs> I, I mean, I. I've been high on Farrell as well. I honestly had him as 
top three edge, top two edge for a long time. And he's his game against Jonah Williams, where he got stonewalled, kind of soured me on him. But again, it's Jonah Williams. So what yeah, can you do? I'm not so, going to let one game against a guy that's going to be a top five pick next year really sour me on him. I mean, it did hurt. I mean, it was kind of, hey, I got to go back and make sure this wasn't wasn't uh, just a, a one game ordeal. Um, and I've just seen enough from him. I've seen enough where, especially the guy on the other side, Austin Bryant, a lot of his stats have come because the other guys are pushing guys his direction. Quarterbacks are, I mean, that's, that's the way quarterbacks want to go. Most of them are right-handed quarterbacks, so the, their comfort zone is running out to the right. And they start feeling that pressure from Farrell coming from the left and they just start heading that way. So Austin Bryant, he cleans up a lot of plays. And so I love to see that. I love seeing Farrell be able to do that. And especially for the Broncos, we need another guy on that other side who can take over because Von Miller is pushing a lot of guys to that left side. And there's just not usually a guy there to make the play. So I just like Clellan Farrell for that kind of opportunity. And I think he just declared as well. So redshirt sophomore, definitely one that I'm going to be keeping my eye on at the combine. Looks like an athletic freak, height, weight, speed. One of those guys, Al Davis, would probably get a a chubby for if you can say that that old geezer got a chubby. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, that's good pick. I'm disappointed to take Tavin Bryan. I think I would probably have taken Tavin Bryan over Deron Payne because I'm going to go with a guy with more pass rush skill. So put Via at that one tech and then Payne at three tech. But still, great, great defensive front. And Carl, we're going to boomerang this. Give us your three linebackers. All right. Uh, easy one that I think we all are going to have, Raquan Smith. Yes. Then I went with Tremaine Edmonds. And I went with more of a kind of thinking like a pass rush linebacker guy that also I think can work on dropping back in coverage. But Arden Key, I went back and watched this season from two seasons ago. This year, he was pretty banged up, but you just watch him from two seasons ago, and he was one of the most dominant college linebackers there was. I mean, the guy just destroyed people with power. He could bend around the edge. He had great first step ability. He has such strong hands. I mean, there's times where it looked like he barely had a hold of the quarterback with his fingertips, and he'd just grab the guy and just rip him to the ground. And so I think you get this guy, especially paired with like a Von Miller, who can work with him on his off the field stuff and, and work on just training him up to be more than just an athletic freak. I, I just think that the sky's the limit with this kid. I do worry a little bit about the off field stuff, but until, you know, talk to his coaches, teammates or himself, you know, it's tape speaks. So Arden key, there's a reason he was top five pick hype coming into this season. And he still could get there if he kills at the combine, but he's one whose stock has definitely slipped. My linebackers again, Roquan Smith. I'm, Doing a hybrid front here, but he's my will slash weak inside linebacker. Uh, my other linebacker, Tremaine Edmonds, a uh, big fan of him. Daniel Jeremiah finally putting that hype out there today on Twitter, saying that Edmonds has an extremely high grade. I mean, when you're 6'5", 250, and you're going to run, jump, and move like he does, I, I like it. And I know that he has some – he's not as aware as a guy like Rashawn Evans is right now, but I think he has a higher ceiling. And I think that – I feel – Honestly, I feel a little bit safer with Edmonds because Evans playing behind that defensive front at Bama, I mean, it's it's pretty easy to do. Let's be honest. I mean, I'm not I'm not doing it. I'm not saying I can do it, but a lot of those guys, I mean, that's it's a damn talented front. And while there are some there are some decent on that Virginia Tech front, like Teller, who's a redshirt sophomore who just declared, Tremaine Edmonds is definitely 
to me, the star of that defense, and he makes plays all over the field. And everyone's saying he's going to just absolutely blow up the combine. So I'm going to stick with my guns there. I've been a big Tremaine Edmonds fan. Then my other linebacker, I'm going to go with Lorenzo Carter. I know that he's, some people think, you know, day two player, but I think he's going to test well. And I really like his upside as a coverage slash edge slash off ball guy. Some people have said Anthony Barr. I'm not sure he's going to test that well or, you know, be that good day one, but I love his ability to just be moved around and with such a multiple front with the defensive line we already have here to have Lorenzo Carter be that strong side guy that can play on the line or off ball and just move around. I, I'm a big fan. So I think he's somebody that's going to rise and I, I would love to have him on my defense. I would just went with my top three linebackers, Smith Evans and Edmonds. Again, it's versatility is the key here. I think that's the big thing of defense and especially going forward in the NFL and these guys, they complement each other really well. They all bring a little bit different stuff to the table. I have my great cover guy in Smith. Evans and Edmonds can both attack. And it just provides some versatility with what I want to do in my front seven. All right. And take us home with your five picks in that defensive backfield. Well, I'll start with Isaiah Oliver, the Colorado boy. I think he's I think he's better than a lot of people are talking about. I think he deserves to be mentioned in that late first round, early second round talk. Jer Alexander, that's another one that I think is a lot better than a lot of people talk. Um, Carlton Davis, again, better than what I think everybody's talking about. Those are three of my top five cornerbacks. Um, Jordan Whitehead and Elliott from Texas, I think those guys are both great safeties. I was thinking about Fitzpatrick and Derwin James, but they don't really fit exactly with what I was wanting, not in the way that these to do. And then the last defensive back that I saved for last is Josh Jackson, because I know how you're going to take it, Nick. Woo, go Hawks. That's it. He's been killer this year. I hope he, I hope he tests well. He, he's right now sits as my number one corner. So, you know, you listed six defensive backs though, correct? <laughs> did I? I yeah. Didn't count. Yes, you did. If you, if you had to get rid of one of the cornerbacks, who would it be? Um, Oliver Davis and Alexander and Jackson. I'd probably switch Jackson with Oliver just because Oliver of the four is my lowest graded one. Well, he's graded higher than Alexander, but Alexander fits more with that third corner than Oliver does. All right. I can't hate it. I have two of the same, but Carl, I'm going to kick it to you. You're a defensive backfield. Well, I got to make you happy, Nick, as well here. Go with Joshua Jackson. I did insult one of your Iowa boys earlier on uh, the Lombardi draft page. I'm still upset. So, do what? I'm still upset. You're still a little upset? Okay. Well, well I'm, I'm I didn't say to... a little. You said a little. I'm oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, but no, Joshua Jackson, it's hard to go against him. He just had such a dominant year. Uh, he's such a playmaker. He has pretty much most things you're looking for in a cornerback. So, got to have him on there. I also went with Jair Alexander of Louisville. Uh, down year, most people are really down on him right now. Uh, that That's more injury related. That's not actual play on the field related. Play on the field, this guy is outstanding. Some team's going to get lucky because he's going to drop because of those injuries and not the best tape this year when he was on the field. And uh, yeah, some team's going to get really, really lucky to get him. And then my cornerback safety, I, I just went, I guess, with the guy that's kind of a hybrid here, Amika Fitzpatrick, guy that's played both positions. And you can put him 
pretty much anywhere you want on the defense. And, and I think the guy's going to do pretty well. I, like, like Eric said, I, I've kind of cooled down a little bit on Minka. Just more. The big thing is his tackling. It just frustrates me to watch him try to break down and make a tackle. Thank you. It just, that, that's such a huge thing when you are the last line of defense on the defense and one missed tackle, like on a screen pass, he misses the tackle guy can go the distance in the NFL. So again, there, there, that's just a, a big, big strike for me. Um, he's a guy that's always in position to make plays. It seems like, but I, I mean, he's, he's, I, I'm, I'm trying to nitpick here because we're, we're talking about our top guys that we think if we were designing our best defense, these are the guys we'd want on our team. So I still want him on my team. And then I went with Derwin James of Florida state. Again, another guy, he's just kind of had a down year, but just athletically, this guy is all over the place. He is a special talent. You get him with the right coaching staff and this guy's going to shine for you. And then my other safety I went with was Deshaun Elliott of Texas. He is one. I feel like I'm projecting a little bit. I'm one of those guys. I kind of look at those guys that I, I think are only beginning to scratch the surface of what they can do. They've already put some good tape out there, but I think they can put out better. And Deshaun Elliott's one of those guys. He just, he makes a lot of plays. He's in the right place at the right time. A few of his interceptions this year, I think are a little bit overblown when you look at his total because it was more, the ball just kind of bounced his direction. But again, guy that's not afraid to come down, make some hits. He is a hard hitter in the, in the run game. He loves to uh, chase people down. I mean, he's, he's a sideline sideline kind of guy. I don't know. I just, I really like his game. I think, again, he can be a better NFL player than he was a college player, even. And that's saying something. Carl, am I missing somebody here? You had Jackson, Alexander, Fitzpatrick, Elliott, and Jackson, Alexander. Yeah, Derwin James. Derwin James. Yep. All right. Well, I'm actually surprised. I have my safeties are Fitzpatrick and James. I'll be completely honest. I haven't done as much work on the safety. Safety is kind of a boring one to scout because if you don't have the all 22 and you're not spending, a lot of time watching guys playing deep coverage zones and everything. Just a little boring, but I like what I see from Fitzpatrick being a versatile guy. I agree with you guys. His tackling is a concern. So Derwin James, he's suffering from Jabril Peppers syndrome where he's a, yeah, he's a bigger, probably faster and longer Jabril Peppers, but he's played linebacker. He's played nickelback. He's played safety and all those things. He's had some technical issues. So because of that, I think it's going to push him down the board because where are you playing this guy? But I still like the upside and the skill set there, and I'm, I'm going to stick with him for now. My cornerbacks, though, I'm going to go with Joshua Jackson and Jair Alexander. I'm actually pretty surprised you guys all went with down here. I still love the tape. His 2016 tape was outstanding. But the other cornerback that I have that I thought for sure one of you guys would have, he, maybe he's just one of my boys, but Denzel Ward from Ohio State. I'm a huge fan of Denzel Ward. Yeah, he's not the biggest guy, you know, 5'10", 195, but he's stout. He's just always in guys' hip pockets. He's very physical at the top of the routes. And I think he might be the best pure man corner in this draft class. It's yeah, just almost, because you have to have that physicality. I almost went Ward over Davis. It's just I've done a little bit more work on Davis, so I felt more comfortable going with the guy I know over Ward, who I've watched a good amount of, but not quite enough to form a solid opinion on. If you were looking at my notes, you would see that I made the switch to Dyer Alexander right when we started this podcast because I was going back and forth between him and, and Ward. And so I still have Jair Alexander, cornerback, Ohio State, instead of Louisville. Well, there you go. 
forgot to change this. I, I was. I was back and forth on him. I love his game. I love the physicality from the cornerback position because I think that just lines up so well with what the NFL teams are liking to do these days. Yeah, he's. I'm. I'm a big fan. I remember we did our one of our draft crushes uh, segments on an episode, you know, about a month ago, and Denzel Ward was on my guys, and I was sad that he didn't get to play the. He didn't play in the Fiesta Bowl, but I can't blame him. He is definitely a, a talented guy, and I'm. I'm this is a pretty good cornerback class, obviously, for cornerbacks and a lot of those secondary positions. You need to see him run and test and everything so they can keep up with those NFL guys. But on tape, I really love Denzel Ward, and I love Joshua Jackson. Man, if he runs four or five, sub four or five, that kid could work his way up into a top 20, top 15 pick. I don't think there's anybody close to Marshawn Lattimore last year. I've gone over backs, not like crazy amount, but a decent amount. And nobody's up there for me like Marshawn Lattimore was last season but that's okay so uh, yeah looking over these teams we have eric with via Payne, brian chubb uh for the defensive line linebackers were roquan smith sean evans tremaine edmonds and secondary was joshua jackson carlton davis jair alexander jordan whitehead for um pit who's a guy that we should probably talk about more coming up here he's somebody that's played running back as well i, I really like him as a cover one kind of safety he's got great range and uh, deshaun elliott uh, almost the same defensive line for Carl with Via Via, Payne, Clellan Farrell, and Bradley Chubb. Linebackers are Roquan Smith, Tremaine Edmonds, and Arden Key. And secondary of Joshua Jackson, Jair Alexander, Minka Fitzpatrick, Deshaun Elliott, and Derwin James. And finally, last but definitely not least, my team. We have defensive line Vita Vea, Tavin Bryan, my, my son, as I call him, Deron Payne, and Bradley Chubb with linebacking core of Lorenzo Carter, Tremaine Edmonds, and Roquan Smith. And then a secondary of Joshua Jackson, Denzel Ward, Jair Alexander, Minka Fitzpatrick, and Derwin James. And honestly, pretty good teams, guys. We'll see how this changes. I think this is something we probably should come back to later on, though, when we have more information, because obviously the draft process is fluid, so our opinions are going to change with more information. It'd be good to Sound do good. like a little bit after the combine so we have all the athletic stuff on a lot of these guys, too. Yep, and just more time, more information, seeing where things are going. And obviously when we have some inside sources, that kind of can biased our opinion as well to see what NFL teams are thinking. And additionally too, is at the combine, sometimes some medical stuff starts leaking out too. So maybe these guys have an injury that we don't know about that could really change our thoughts on them. Looking at um, that one defensive lineman a few years back, who was a top five pick and fell to like the middle second round. Um, Bowers, I think. Bowers. Yeah. Yes. He was thought to be the best player in the 2011 draft with Von Miller. And boom, yep, degenerative knee to injury, and he's done. <sighs> yeah, I remember that as well. Daquan Bowers, yeah, Clemson as well, right? Yep, I think so, yeah. And then Washington had a running back that yeah. had a similar thing too, Chris Polk. Oh, yeah, yep. And, I mean, you saw last year with uh, the linebacker from Alabama, who, for some reason, I can't remember his name right now. Ruben Foster. And then Ruben Foster. T.J. Cummings, who was a top offensive tackle and some injury stuff, like. Brandon Thomas, a top offensive guard a few years back from Clemson. Countless guys. Countless guys. Medicals are huge. Might be the most important thing at the Combine, actually. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Besides when they get to be asked questions by myself in person. <laughs> About Star Wars? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah that's important. <laughs> Hard hitters. <laughs> oh, I mean, last year, I remember I asked that Star Wars question, which was really fun. But then I actually had an awkward experience, too, where there was that edge rusher from Miami, who was kicked off Miami. Um, <laughs> you asked him about it. I yes, remember that. I, I absolutely asked him about it. He's like, oh I yeah, let me go fix the fly. 
I'm like, oh no, man, you're not gonna want to do this. And I said, you know, you have anything out there for the the uh, car rental scandal? And he's like, I've I've moved on since then, and then that was it. All right, now before we get on to our next section, we gotta say thank you to our sponsor, Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone or MP3 player. Again, that's www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. A great way with the Broncos now to the playoffs. You know, you're not wanting to watch the Patriots have an easy march to the Super Bowl once again because the AFC is not great this year, unfortunately. Put on an audiobook. Check out Audible. It's a great service. All right, guys. Well, with Carl about to head off to the mobile, and what is it, two weeks now, Carl? Less two than two weeks. weeks? Ah, man, I'm jealous. Uh, That'll be a good week. Mondays from now. Gosh, a week after awesome. my birthday. Wow. Well, there you, and we'll know everybody that's declared by then as well. Yep. So, they have to declare yeah, by my birthday. Yep. That's, that's how I know. That's the only reason I know Eric's birthday. <laughs> that's the only reason why I know when they decla- have to declare by. So, yeah, no, absolutely. But we're going to start breaking down some of the guys that are going to be there this year. And obviously, if we decided to break down everybody in one episode, we'd be here for four hours. So we're just going to break down some of the offensive guys on the skill position, starting with running backs, quarterbacks, fullbacks, and wide receivers. And obviously, we got to start with quarterbacks because, I mean, that's why the Broncos jumped at the chance to coach the Senior Bowl this year. You got a number of names there this year, some guys that we've already talked about, some guys that were then other people. Uh, quarterback from Virginia, Kurt Benkert, who's actually a transfer from Eastern Carolina, an interesting guy. Luke Falk from Washington State, who's somebody that at least I can speak for Eric Carl and myself, we are not as high on. Uh, Kyle Lulaletta from Richmond. A guy named Baker Mayfield from Oklahoma. I've never heard of him before. <laughs> Very short. <laughs> yeah, that's small hands. Don't trust him. No. Mason Rudolph from Oklahoma State. Brandon Silvers from Troy, who's somebody that is a little bit intriguing, intriguing to me from what I've seen. Mike White from Western Kentucky, another small mid-level guy, mid-school level guy. And then pending, because he's not official yet, but Josh Allen is a guy that everyone's saying that he's going to be there. So definitely want to talk about him as well. And Carl, which of these guys are really just sticking out to you that you're most excited to see live? Well, Baker Mayfield, obviously, has got to be the top choice of guy you want to go see live. But beyond him, just because, I mean, he's the obvious choice. You kind of mentioned him there. Brandon Silvers. I watched a few of his games today. And... I, I came away pretty impressed. He had some very tight window throws that he just fitted in perfect. I'm trying to, I think it was against North Texas. He started out the game like 10 for 10 and just kept going the entire game. He had one really, really bad throw, which was picked off. He underthrew it. He kind of panicked after a bad fumble that he took a really bad hit. And then I was actually kind of impressed. He made a smart decision after the fumble. He was being outran by a defensive player. And so what he did is he just jumped in the way of the defensive player, hoping one of his guys would be right behind him. And unfortunately, he wasn't until the defense was able to recover it. But but I was I was very impressed by some of his smart decisions that he made during that game. I liked how he used his eyes to manipulate the defense. There's just there's a lot of good. There's a lot of things he's got to clean up, but he's got a strong arm. He's got a guy. He's just one of those guys. I When you're looking for beyond the 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 obvious choices those mid-round guys you think maybe this guy could have some upside brandon silvers is a guy that i think isn't getting talked about enough right now yeah and he had a pretty good game no nothing outstanding they didn't ask him to do too much but they went to death valley and they ended up beating lsu this year and he went and controlled the football didn't have any turnovers and they ended up winning that game 24 to 21 so brandon silvers is a guy that i've 
noticed a couple of times. I remember watching Troy last year with uh, Antonio Garcia, their left tackle that was drafted by the Patriots last season. Intriguing to me. I think my favorite mid-level quarterback or non-power five quarterback, though, that's going to be there, Mike White. He's somebody that um, some guys, I think it's uh, Eric Galco over at Optimum Scouting, had him in a first round of a preseason mock. And that, that's a little bit extreme, but Mike White has shown traits and tools that have me pretty excited. Good arm, but he has the ability to make most, most of the NFL throws. I mean, he's not going to get it there with steam at the end of it, but he can make those throws. Touch, velocity, timing, displayed some pretty good footwork, the ability to work the ball vertically as well. And obviously they lost Abram, who's now the head coach of Purdue. Uh, but, and they also lost Taiwan Taylor last year, who was a running back that, or a wide receiver that I was pretty high on in last draft process, mid-round, but still pretty high on for a mid-round wide receiver. But I really like what I saw from Mike White on tape. He's somebody that I, you know, late day two, early day three, probably is about where he'd be at right now. I think that's the guy that I would stick my flag in. I, I do like Riley Ferguson around there too, but I think Mike White is the guy that I, I would take over him right now. And I haven't watched as much Kyle Luoletta. There are some people that are pretty high on him, and I know that, Eric, you have a take on Kyle Luoletta. Okay, we always talk about the poor man's player, like poor man's Tom Brady, poor man's Ben Roethlisberger. Well, this guy is the rich man's version of Trevor Simeon. Oh, a lot of what Trevor Simeon does, you see in his game, but he just does it a whole lot better. I'm still not as high on him as I think Carl is, but I think I have him sitting in like that fourth or fifth round, and there's some upside there, and he can grow into being that stable backup quarterback that you want. So I would take him in that range just if you want that stability. Who would you rather have, Kyle Luoletta or Luke Falk? Well, that's an easy question. I don't think Luke Falk is really draftable. Ah, that music to my ears. Yeah, Luke Falk, <laughs> to me, he's somebody, when I watch Luke Falk, I know there are some probably fans of him listening to this podcast, you know, being a Colorado in the Pac-12, but Luke Falk, to me, he's a guy who, that air raid offense, easy, simple reads, get the ball quickly in space, and Mike Leach, offensive play calling genius. As much as I hate the air raid because I'm old school, still stuck in the 1980s, you know, run the football, the zone stretch is still a new concept to me. Uh, Luke Falk, I mean, what does he do well? He does have size. He's 6'4", 223, but he has, like, remember how bad Chad Pennington's arm was after he had that injury? It's probably worse than that. Like, his arm is horrible. It literally ducks. And, I mean, he can get it there. He does have some good anticipatory throws, but just the steam he has, the power, it's going to be a major issue at the next level. And then to add to that, he probably has some of the worst pocket mobility and awareness I've seen out of any of the quarterbacks this year. He like, literally would just stand in the pocket and deliver it, which, again, in the air raid when you're in shotgun and it's quick, easy reads every time, you can get away with that. But in the NFL, that is not that is not happening, especially with how bad the offensive lines are. And right. he just, I mean, he, I've seen him run into offensive linemen, running backs that are blocking back there. It's just, it's just not good. He is the pocket awareness of Helen Keller. I mean, that's, that might be extreme, but I was just so unimpressed with that. Okay, what he does well is he's plays on time. His throws, they're normally arriving to his receivers on time. He can sit there and move the ball because his throws are on time. And that's the only thing he does well. Besides being decently big. But good luck. You can can be big and just not be good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's obviously true. 
Look at Brock Osweiler. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Anyways, since I've barely gotten to talk on these quarterbacks, I'm going to go ahead and take the stage here. Oh, you guys, Eric, you, Eric, please. You guys really touched on Silvers and White. I was sitting here, I was coming into this expecting to sit here and be like, okay, you guys are really low on these guys, but you guys are right there with me, with them. They both have shown a lot on tape that makes me excited to see more. I And that, I think I, I have my board for quarterbacks set. Well, not set, but set for now. And they both are in that fourth to fifth range, along with Kyle. I'm not even going to try to say his last name. <laughs> That's there okay. I didn't there. have to do the Alabama quarterback. We're going to save that for <laughs> bloopers. <laughs> with Silvers and White, though, I see a lot more upside. I see a lot more tools that can be worked with. I just think that Kyle is more ready, closer to being ready now. Mason Rudolph, we've get, I've given my take on him plenty of times. Baker Mayfield, he's a top quarterback for me. Ben Kurt, he's another guy who I'm actually kind of looking forward to seeing him more than anybody else because his tape has me going back and forth on him so much. And seeing him at this stage can really set my opinion on him. So that that's why I'm really excited for him. And then there's Josh Allen. I just don't think he's good. Maybe he could sit here and play well in the senior bowl, but it won't change the fact that inaccurate college quarterbacks who have a below 60 completion percentage do not suddenly become accurate in the NFL and get above 60. The only quarterback I can think of was 30 years ago with Brett Favre, who went from like a 52 or 54 completion percentage to over 60. There are countless other guys who have done that and just gone on to fail in the NFL. They weren't able to get it up. And when you watch Josh Allen, you sit here and it's not just bad completions or his receivers are dropping him. Is He's off by like three or four yards consistently. Who is that I, football going to? I've, I've watched his tape. I was like, where is that going to? Yeah, who is he throwing that to? That I have that often in my notes. Because with quarterbacks, one of the things I do is evaluate every single throw. I have it written down, one through however many pass attempts they have, and there's a note on it. And most of his is, who is that going to? And then the other argument I hear is about the level of, of talent around him. A lot of his guys are in the NFL. So, and they came out last year. And that season prior, prior leading up to it, he still wasn't that good. He was still having the same mistakes. His stats were a little bit better. Not much. I think he went from like a, 50, a 56 completion percentage to a 55 this year. So obviously there is still that accuracy issue. He There is still a lot of who is he throwing that to. He's just not very good. He needs to go to a team that maybe can allow him to sit and maybe groom him because they have a good quarterback in place already, and that's either the Chargers or the Steelers. Or maybe even the Patriots because of everything going on there and they traded their future away. Maybe they take a shot at him. It's just, he's not a day one starter. If you need a quarterback in the, in the top 10, just avoid at all cost. Anyway, that's unless you're the Cleveland Browns. Yes. Unless you're the Cleveland Browns, <laughs> which if they get Alex Smith, they, then they have a quarterback and can allow him to sit. But as for the senior bowl, I'm just not that excited to see him just because of my opinion on him. I don't think this game won't change it. It's, one game, one game doesn't change it. I have the whole season's worth of bad tape to go off of. Yeah, I can't disagree with you on anything you've said. I think Josh Allen, this is a perfect situation for him, though, because it's going to be a controlled environment where he's just playing pitch and catch with wide receivers that none of those other quarterbacks have chemistry with, I guess besides Mason Rudolph because both those wide receivers are there. But I think it's a good situation but, for him to rise up. 
they may not necessarily name, end up on the same team as him. No. With how but, they split up the rosters. It doesn't guarantee, just because they went to the same school, does not guarantee. That happened a couple of years ago with a cornerback and a wide receiver. They kept facing off against each other in the game, and they played at the same school. Yep, absolutely. And speaking of guys potentially not playing to their region, there are some rumors that the Broncos made a request to look at Baker Mayfield. And Eric, I would say that between you, Carl, and myself, you have more insider knowledge on the Broncos than we do. And if you are the Broncos here and you're getting your hands on Baker Mayfield running through these drills at the Senior Bowl, the whole thing, what are you looking for to take away from it? Like, what are the things that he needs to do to check off, not not only in the drills and in the game and everything, although the game's a little bit overrated, a lot of the executives and guys leave before the game, but what are you looking for in the practices and just the meetings with him as far as evaluating with whether or not he's worth that top pick. Obviously the biggest thing that being hands-on with him is his football IQ. That is the best. The senior bowl is the best time to get that idea because yes, you can meet with them in the, at the combine for a short amount of time and have to go over some stuff with him, but it is completely different from being in practice, talking over it and then watching them go do it having the meetings, sitting there talking with them, and then having them go execute and being there as they watching them as they actually execute it right before your eyes. Um, But the biggest things with the play on the field is getting the ball out a little bit quicker at times, because sometimes he at Oklahoma, he did hold hold on to it long and applied pressure to himself, which he then had to escape, not panicking in the pocket and bringing pressure upon himself. Just Things like that, just playing a little, playing a little bit faster, getting the ball a little bit quicker, not hurting his offensive line by holding it too long or escaping into pressure. Things like that, which are some pretty big knocks I have on him. But this is the perfect time for Denver to really get their eyes on him. A lot of people were upset because they were missing going to the Rose Bowl. That's the one that they played against Georgia. Yes, because Baker Mayfield. And all these other prospects. Well, they get get hands on with him now. I would take that trade off any day. Of okay, you miss it. You miss going to a bowl game. Which okay, you get to be on the sideline and see it live. But now you actually get to have your staff work with him. I I don't see anybody who wouldn't be okay with that. Yeah, absolutely. And Mason Rudolph is another one that I'm guessing they'll have eyes on. Not a day one prospect, although there are some media outlets that have him as quarterback one. Cough, CBS, cough. Uh, but there are a million. Yeah, we can still we can still disagree. That's okay. <laughs> you can disagree, uh, but just be careful because they uh, they do own the site we write for. True. Well, anyway, they need to fix that. Mason Rudolph, though, <laughs> definitely a guy that pocket ability to move in the pocket and still deliver when things get a little messy. This is a perfect environment to him for him to show well. So he's somebody that I'm expecting to do pretty well. But do you guys have any parting comments for quarterbacks? You want to move on to running backs? I Luke Falk is bad. bad. Luke Falk is bad. <laughs> we can go on to running backs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but moving on to running backs now. We don't have a full list yet. These are the only guys that have officially accepted their invites. And right now the list is only up to five, and I would expect it to at least get up to ten by the time this the game and the practices roll around. But... This is what we have right now. We have Kalen Bellage from Arizona State, Royce Freeman from Oregon, Rashad Penny from San Diego State, Ido Smith from Southern Mississippi, and Akram Wadley from the University of Iowa. 
Uh, there are there. Are, hey, get out of here. Muted. <laughs> <laughs> there are some invites to Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb of Georgia, who we've talked about already, but they have not been invited or they have not accepted their invite yet. So we will see what happens. But for now, Balage, Freeman, Penny, Smith, and Wadley. And I'm going to start off with Akram Wadley because I have some inside or inside inside, I guess. Wadley somebody who this season, the Iowa offensive line never was able to get off the ground. They had injuries to both of their offensive tackles to start the season in Boone Myers and Ike Bodger, hard name, B-O-E-T-T-E-G-E-R. So that's kind of a hard one to say. And they just the offensive line never got moving because of that. We had two freshman tight ends that were – one sophomore and one freshman tight end who are not really the best blockers yet. And running that zone stretch, which Akron Wadley really excels in because he has good vision, good balance, good burst. San Fran. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, dude. I just tweeted that today. Are you just copying that tweet? Yes, I did. I said, I pray to God Akron Wadley goes to San Francisco because he's going to be a monster there. I typed it in my I notes. Was... I didn't see your tweet. I typed it in my notes that San Francisco is the best fit for him. Oh, my gosh. I was going to get there. Still my thunder. I, I <laughs> yes. tweeted that this morning, I swear to God. And Wadley's somebody who he was having some day two hype last season, and he decided to turn for a senior year. And now he's kind of getting pushed to that day three, round four, round five talk just because this class is so deep. But I think that's I think he's still a guy that's looked like a potential next level. Iowa did not use him in the past game as much as they should have. He's definitely a guy who he's gonna have to improve his route running, but he's somebody that I think could be a dynamic route runner. And he has actually okay size. He came to Iowa, he's a little bit smaller, 5'11, 180, 175. He's almost up to 195, 200 now. And he runs very well. In the bowl game, they allowed him to finally return kicks. And my gosh, he was pretty much the entire Iowa offense in that game with those special teams plays. Very dynamic. And his ability to his ability to hop step and create space and just be agile in space, I mean, it's it's phenomenal. I really like Akram Wadley. I don't think he'll probably ever be a true bell cow back, but get him in a team with a zone stretch scheme where he can be utilized as a guy that not only a running back, but a receiver as well. And I think he could be a very productive starting back in the NFL. And I don't think there's a better fit for him than San Francisco. San Francisco's not in that Saquon Barkley area anymore. But if you're looking for a running back with vision, some burst, I think Wadley's going to be a heck of a back in that scheme. He also can run power pretty well because he has some good burst and good vision. But he's not a lower-the-shoulder type of guy. And now that I've talked a lot about my Iowa Hawkeye, because <laughs> I mean, we're going to get to do it again because Sean Walsh is in the offensive line, although I'm not as high on Sean Walsh. Dude, I saw somebody talking about how he should go in the second round. Akron Wadley or Sean Walsh? Sean Walsh. Uh, I mean, I guess if he's playing center, but James Daniels. Are you sure you're not thinking about James Daniels? No, it was Sean Walsh. Because it was before James Daniels had declared. Man, I, he did not look like that to me this season. Let me tell you. But granted, the whole offensive line was a little bit discombobulated with all those injuries that we had. So, what can you do? We'll see how he does at mobile. I think he's probably going to have to play center, though. He's pretty small. In my opinion, but yeah, not a not a exciting running back group yet. At least until Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb decide what they're going to do. But do you guys have any insight? I know that Carl or I know Eric, you are definitely somebody that you said if there's any Kareem Hunt in this year's class, you said it'd be Rashad Penny. Yeah, not as so their their skill set's not identical. They're not the same player, but for that smaller school guy that can come in and have a huge impact and potentially lead the NFL in rushing, I think it could be Penny. I love his running style. He's mean, tough, physical. 
He's a good blocker. He's got solid hands to come out. He has can make an impact in all three phases of the game that you want from running backs. And he's smart. He does play a little upright, though, which does hurt when he tries to be physical because he has to get down so much lower and he ends up getting blown back some. But I just love his game. I think he's a I think he's gonna be a really good running back and he could be the number one guy for a team for years. I wrote the words vision, vision, vision. Did I mention vision? <laughs> that guy there were so many plays. I, I can't remember which game I was watching, but he would see the backside of of the, the run open wide open. And he'd just do this little cut step and and hit the hole with purpose. And I'm just sitting there going, I don't even know if your head could see that hole. It was more like he just felt like, oh, this hole's going to open up because here's all these linebackers flowing this way of the field. And I just, I was, I was so impressed with his ability just to see how a play would open up. And it was the same on like kickoff. He's not the fastest guy in the world. He's not the quickest guy in the world. But he just sees how a play is going to develop. He's looking four, five, ten yards down the field, not right where he's at. Because he already knows what's going to happen right where he's at. And and so he can already be planning his next second, third decision that he's going to make on a play. I I was absolutely blown away by this guy. Yeah, he has in the notes that I mentioned or that I have on him, you mentioned his vision. I have that he has a sixth sense. I don't give this I don't talk about this with many running backs, but it's what you are saying. That thing that the excellent vision to where he can see things almost like before it happens. He's not paying attention to what's happening now. It's what's going on down the field. And he just knows what he needs to do. It's that sixth sense ability that I think is great. Yeah, I'm a big fan of him as well. As somebody that I don't know if you guys caught the Arizona State game this year, but he just killed him. Killed Arizona State. I think he had a kickoff return touchdown too. So he's definitely got long speed and everything. I really like him. You touched on it, Eric, though. I am a little bit worried about how upright he runs. Teams go at his ankles, and a lot of times when they do, he goes down. Yeah. Because he runs. He's so top heavy, and it does affect some of his agility, his ability to change direction. And 5'11, 220, I was pretty surprised to see him running so upright. You know, normally that body type got a little bit lower base, and I didn't see that so much with Penny. But yeah, no, he's definitely somebody that I wouldn't be surprised day two back, maybe day three, early, early, early day three. But a guy that I think could be a starting back in this class. And if you're looking for that value back that could be a starter, Penny's Penny's probably one of those guys. Somebody that I think many casual fans are much higher on than I personally am. And Carl, we talked about that today. We kind of faced that today when we were talking with some people. (laughs) Royce Freeman. Royce Freeman. Yeah, I don't either. I don't either. He's been solid at Oregon over his career. I think he's the number one running back all time yardage wise at Oregon. Six foot two thirty eight. I mean, he's he's a big guy, but he runs like a ten year veteran. And when I say he runs like a ten year veteran, I mean he runs like a running back who's lost all his juice. Over a thousand touches. Yeah, he he just doesn't have his his sophomore tape was ten times better than what I saw this season. It just wasn't there. He doesn't have that juice, especially when he gets around that corner. He's kind of slow to that hole. I think he has decent vision, obviously has power and balance, but it's just everything about it is just meh to me. And I do enjoy his pass blocking. I think he does pretty good work there, and he has shown the ability to use his hands when needed out him that is dynamic. And he will be drafted. I, I will have a draft grade on him, but I think it's it's mid to late day three in this class. And I don't think he's probably a guy that you ever see 
a quality starting running back in this league. Now this could change. He could be one of those guys. He's six foot two thirty eight. Maybe he loses 15, 20 pounds and he's a completely different back. I mean, we've seen that before, but from what I see from him right now, I I'm just not thoroughly impressed with what I saw on tape. Just reading this year on him, seeing that he had both a leg injury, shoulder injury, and you start adding in all those carries that he's had, the weight that he's at, it it just screams a guy that's not going to last very long in the league. A guy that you might get a couple decent productive years out of, but I don't see him being that guy that for the next six, seven years, he's going to be your starter and you're going to be very happy that he is. Like you said, he's just kind of, how's the saying go? Jack of all trades, but master of none. Wouldn't give him a jack. <laughs> like the six of clubs on all traits. Yeah, yeah, that's probably more. I, even you had mentioned his power. I, I even think some of his power is overrated. I think it's more because of his size, everybody thinks he should have power. But there are times that I see him just a guy hits him and he goes down. I mean, there, there's no falling forward. There's no, there, there's a lot of third and one plays that I saw with him that gave me flashbacks to the 2015 season for the Broncos or 2016 season, sorry. And all the third and one plays that you're just like, oh, well, we're not getting this. And you'd think a guy that size would just power through and be able to fall forward and, and pick up the the first down. And I just saw him a few times where he just he wasn't that guy. I agree. I heard somebody speculate that maybe they should a team should bulk him up a little bit, get him into about 245 and just play him as fullback in short yarded situations. And I just don't see it. I don't see the power to sit there and do what fullbacks are supposed to do. I don't think that he has what it takes for the NFL, to be honest. I don't like anything about his running style. Maybe he can be that third down pass blocking guy that you need because he is pretty decent at that. But I just don't. There's nothing about his tape that screams, come get me. There's nothing. And I've watched. I've gone through. I have my running back rankings up. I've watched most of them in this class. And he sits there with the seventh round grade. And I don't even think I would really do that because I think there's other players that'll be available in the seventh round that play running back that have a little bit more upside than he does. There's a lot of miles on him. There's those injuries that you got to worry about. I just, there's nothing really that makes me excited for him. And maybe he can show something at the senior bowl that might raise him up around, maybe put him in that fifth or sixth round for me. But as it stands right now, I'm just, no, I'm just not seeing it. And then touching on the other guys that are going to be there, because we have a lot of wide receivers to get to as well. Kalen Blage is somebody who's very athletic, a Colorado native. But at Arizona State, man, he just was really disappointing this season. Did not have a, a great season. Does not have any vision. You know, I talk about Rashad Penny's vision. Horrible vision from Balazs. He sees there are holes that Arizona State, granted, their offensive line is really not great. but just no no vision, and honestly, for being a guy who's supposed to be a freak athlete, I thought his speed was a little bit meh as well. He honestly might have been better served playing linebacker in the or in college football. Maybe he can a get a chance. Sorry, go I've ahead. heard a lot of people talk about moving him to wide receiver. That might be better for him, because right now he doesn't look like anything. Have him be a little bit more of a possession receiver than anything. But I'm with you. I don't... Balaj is another one. I don't, I'm not liking what I've seen. I get why do I I can see why people do like him. I just don't agree. If that makes any sense. I can yeah, get why people I, think I, he's a, a second round pick. 
but no. I just there's all these other questions for me that it's like, no, I ha- I do have them. I'm going to refer to this often for as long as I have them graded. I have them with a fourth round grade, but it's again, it's one of those things. It's like that fourth round. I'm looking at okay, what kind of running back do I need? And basically, for what he brings, I can see a few other guys that I would take over him. So it's just. I don't know. I think maybe a move to receiver is what's best for him personally. I mean, he's yeah. got good size for it. Yeah. Honestly, if I was a college coach and he bringing him in at his size and his movement for his size, I'd ask him to play linebacker, <laughs> but you know, it's a little bit late for that. So you know, what can you do? And then Ito Smith, a guy that if the Broncos didn't just take D'Angelo Henderson, I'd be much more interested in very dynamic, potentially the, this year's small, explosive running back type very very much fun i actually like the the wide receiver had more i think his name is robertson uh junior that declared but ito smith is a fun one and a guy that i think will probably make some noise at the senior bowl but as far as denver goes i don't think he's really a fit Corey robertson yes yes he's interesting yes i agree and i agree with everything you just said about smith as well so we'll definitely see the uh, running back class is definitely going to be added more at the senior bowl. But right now, those are the four. Uh, those are the five guys. Yeah, they want. And, they'd, sorry, they'd like to add at least one more. They don't. They want to have at least three per team. From what I understand, they prefer to have four. So we're looking at least from anywhere from one to three guys at least. Yeah, yeah. So definitely some names to watch, and we'll see if those Georgia guys do come. I honestly, if I was their agent, I'd tell them not to because I think they already have proven a lot. If if I was Michelle's agent, I'd tell him not to. If I was Chubb's agent, I would tell him to. Yeah. Yeah, I could see those ones. And Chubb's going to get poked and prodded at the combine anyway, so I might as well get a start. Yeah. <laughs> know what's coming for him. But moving on, the fullbacks, I'm, we're not going to spend too much time here. Nick Bowden from San Diego State. Honestly, when I've watched San Diego State, I've been watching Penny, so I honestly have no yeah. insight on him. He's a good lead blocker, but decent hands. All right, well, that's that's about as much as needs to be said. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dimitri Flowers, I love at fullback. Uh, very unique athlete, good player, good size. He's not only a weapon as a blocker, but he can make plays in space as a wide receiver too. And if you're looking for more of a pure fullback in this class, he'd definitely be fullback one. And then Jalen Samuels, who's a little bit of everything. They list him at, they list him at fullback here, but he's, I mean, he's played everything. Running back, wide receiver, tight end, fullback. They've lined him up everywhere. His skill set set can do it. He's just an all-around offensive weapon. And normally when you talk offensive weapons, you see these small guys that maybe aren't don't have the um, build to handle the pounding that running backs take, so they move them out. This guy, he's extremely well-built, and he's just an offensive weapon. Yeah. I I mean, there's a reason I had him in my – all draft eligible team, and I was the only one. <laughs> just gonna throw it out there, Carl. You have anything on the fullbacks? No, I, I just this is a these guys remind me of the way the fullbacks going with Flowers and Samuels of guys that have that great versatility that you can move them around to different positions and still have them be productive for you. That, that's what you need. You need uh, you talked about this earlier, Eric, of guys that have versatility. That's the way of the NFL. It's, it's on defense. It's on offense because you have essentially 46 positions every Sunday and you need guys that can do more than one thing because you just, you, you don't have enough roster spots. It's not like college where you have 90, 95 players. I saw, I think it was, was it maybe Mike Kliss had tweeted out something about how 
the Alabama coaching staff made over a million dollars in bonuses just from the championship game. And he said something about, you know, how can we not pay, pay these players? Well, if you actually think about it, if you're paying every single player that's on your roster in college, they're only making maybe about 10 grand each out of that million dollars, which I mean, that's better than nothing, but it's still not this great. It's not enough to, to live off of if that's what you're wanting the college kids to be able to do. I don't, sorry, just to touch on that. I don't think that it's so much as pay them to enough to live off of. It's just at least pay them something. And I think 10,000 for them is a pretty decent amount for them. They're in college. They're getting a free, they're getting an education because most of these guys are on scholarship. They get to play football and they're getting a chance at the NFL. And so I think that 10,000 is actually fair. It is a lot better than nothing. So, yeah, I'm not disagreeing with that. I just, it's not as much as you would maybe think when you're you're hearing that they're yeah. making over a million dollars. It's not if you're actually dividing it over entire roster. If everybody's yeah. getting even pay, that that's not going to be as much as some people might think. But no, th- these guys, I love the versatility that they bring, and I think they fit well with what the NFL is today. Yeah, and just to touch on Samuels on more and what Carl's talking about versatility. If you look at the NFL teams now, look at what they're doing at fullback. A lot of teams are using a tight end. Because they bring that offer that versatility tight ends who can block and catch and do all these things. And that's why I think Samuels and flowers fit so well with the modern day fullback, because you can line them up at tight end as, as well. It's that versatility as Carl was just talking about. And I think that was a really great point that I forgot. Nick forgot to touch on. And thankfully you were here to do so, Carl. (laughs) That's what I do. Yeah, and I mean, you guys know Jacob Tammy came into this league as a fullback too. Yeah, that's 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 so the route to the Peyton Manning way. There was another one too. Well, there's been a bunch actually. This is a guy that I've actually talked about how I want Denver to sign this offseason too, if I remember right. Are you looking it up, or do you want to move on? Oh, we can move on. Okay, <laughs> but yeah, no, and we spent probably enough time, more than enough time on fullbacks. Although Jalen Samuels is one that Bronco fans, if you are the praying type. Patriots because he's going to be very annoying there but we have 11 wide receivers here to get through and we won't spend as much time on each of them although I know I've spent some time the past couple days going over these guys Marcel Aitman from Oklahoma State is one that's going to be there that it really intrigues me Braxton Berrios slot receiver from Miami Darren Carrington who was kicked off Oregon and played this last season at Utah DJ Chark who's been up and down at LSU just like the LSU passing game Michael Gallup, who's a very interesting wide receiver from Colorado State, which I'm sure all the Bronco fans listening know of him. Alan Lazard from Iowa State, kind of that big, huge boundary wide receiver. Anthony Miller, who could potentially be the number one slot receiver in this class. Jamon Moore, who's somebody that I'm actually pretty intrigued by from Missouri. Jaleel Scott, who honestly might have had the catch of the year in college football. I think it was week one. He had an incredible behind-his-back, over-the-shoulder, one-handed catch. Six-foot-six wide receiver. James Washington, who is probably the most well-known of this list, but I think a little bit overrated and underrated, in my opinion, Cedric Wilson from Boise State. And Carl, you're definitely the wide receiver lover of this group. Eric and I are definitely more a fan of the big boys. (laughs) Who of these guys have you looked at that have really stood out to you that you're excited to get your eyes on and, I guess, close and personal eyes on because you're going to be there watching them? Well, Anthony Miller is one that really stands out from that list there from Memphis. He just, he seems to catch everything that's thrown his direction and he's got some speed to his game. He's got some quickness to his game. I think he could play both inside and outside, just wherever you needed him to play. 
And he's got that, that attitude that you kind of like that. I'm better than you. That little bit of cockiness. I mean, I'm not saying don't go over the top, but I think he's got that, that right level of, he just, he knows he's good. He knows he can beat the guy across from him and he just goes and makes a lot of plays. And so I really love his game. Another guy that I I didn't want to like because so many other people kind of like him is Alan Lazard of Iowa state, but he has absolutely the best hands in this draft. Everything sticks to his hands. The, The ball never moves. I watch Marcel Aitman. I watch James Washington and all those guys. I mean, they have, pretty good hands, but we are talking, this guy's going to come into the league and have top five hands in the NFL. Yes. He just, his hands are just so huge. The ball just looks tiny in them. And <laughs> Oh my goodness. It, it, he has such a catch radius. He is so impressive. Some team is going to love this guy and take him pretty high. I, I don't know. I, I was, I was very impressed. He's going to be a red zone beast i i don't know there's not a good enough word he's gonna be that 10 to 12 touchdown kind of guy a year because you just throw it up to him it doesn't matter if he's got two guys dangling on him he's gonna come down with the football i love it he is everything that everybody kept telling me what mike williams was last year you know wow. much i didn't like mike williams alan lazard is what he was supposed to be man oh my goodness <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna have to you're you're kicked off the podcast for talking up iowa state I mean, you know this, right? I know. I know. Man, I am, I am on your blacklist the rest of my life for the things I've said. Talking bad about Dallas Clark and now talking about Alan Lazard. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. But it, I, I can't help it. it the, the film doesn't lie. <laughs> this guy, like I said, he just catches everything thrown his direction. He doesn't have a good quarterback. Everything he has to catch is with a guy on his back. There's so many throws where he is wide open and the quarterback underthrows him, overthrows him, and it doesn't matter. He still comes down with it. I do like Alan Lazard, but I do have questions about the competition he's gone up against. Looking at his slate of schedules, he was never really up against Joshua Jackson in that Iowa-Iowa State game. They put him against Manny Ragumba on the opposite side, which was probably a good call. <laughs> Looking back, well, he had a good game against Iowa. That's just good game planning, though. Yeah, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, but probably won't get get as much. I get your point. I was just saying, it's like, that's just great. Yeah, absolutely. I do like his hands. I think he can definitely a great body control can box guys out. I'm not sure about his ability to separate. He looks a little bit stiff to me in and out of his breaks, but again, six foot five, two twenty two. Broncos always, you know, Bronco fans, especially everybody loves Jordan Taylor being that big outside guy with the pretty blonde hair. But if you're looking for that type of wide receiver that can be that maybe third or fourth guy that can be that red zone type. Lazard's the guy I'd be looking at there. I'm, I'm not as high on him as you guys are. Apparently we'll have to talk about this a little bit more. Maybe I'll have to dig in a little bit more. Although I try to only take as much Iowa state tape as I can. Although I'm already telling you guys next year, I am going to be a huge David Montgomery fan. Have you, did you catch Iowa state's running back when you were checking out Lazard? No, I just saw the throws. He is freaking awesome. I know we're a little bit up and or back and forth between the pro football focus numbers, but they do a good job accumulating stats. Their grades are definitely subjective, but the accumulating stats are okay. David Montgomery this season broke the all-time college football uh, broken tackle record by like 25. So definitely look out for David Montgomery next year. He is somebody, he's a big back too. He's like 6'1", 225, 230 pounds, and he's got some w- wiggle to him as well. So look out for him. Sorry, back to the senior bowl though. Yeah. Out of these guys, 
I think my favorites, you mentioned Anthony Miller. Uh, I think he's probably a little bit inside-outside, but I think he's probably best in the slot. I, I will not get over his game against Connecticut I saw this year. I think it was a Thursday night game, too, and Memphis put up 70 points on UConn, and a lot of that was because Anthony Miller absolutely beat the poop out of them. 15 catches, 224 yards, and four touchdowns. His long was only 40. Oh, play after play, killing him. He also was amazing in that uh, championship game against UCF, which went to double overtime. He had 14 catches for 195 yards and three touchdowns. Good route runner, good hands. Out of this list of the guy that I am most excited to watch just to see if he can separate himself a little bit is Marcel Aitman. I think Marcel Aitman, good size, 6'4", 220. But when I'm watching Oklahoma State, I know that James Washington will come down with some big plays down the field. But Aitman's the guy that I like out of them. He's a catch radius guy. And I think he actually is more athletic than his size would indicate. He, he has the ability to run some routes where he can get some separation. And I think he's somebody that at the Senior Bowl, especially when he can go up with other quarterbacks and coaches get a chance to look at him, Marshall Aitman's a guy that could move up. I actually like him more than James Washington. The other guy that impressed me a lot watching the tape, I like Jamon Moore. He's going to need to get much thicker, 6'3", 205, but he plays physical. He's got decent hands. He can pluck that ball. And again, if you guys have been listening to this podcast, Carl knows I go on about it. But I love wide receivers who make it their duty to go out there and block guys. And Missouri uses a lot of those screens. And Moore goes out there and knocks those cornerbacks to safeties 10, 15 yards down the field. He's physical. He's nasty. And I love that about them. He's, he's going to need to get stronger. He's going to need to work on his routes. Sometimes a little bit soft or unpolished curves on his routes and whatnot. But I think the skill sets there and the athleticism there that he could be a guy that given the chance at the senior bowl could rise and be a guy that makes a little bit more name for himself than what the national media has on him right now. I don't know what I can add on to this that you guys haven't touched on. I really like this group of wide receivers already. The one I'm actually the lowest on is the smallest guy. (laughs) Braxton Berrios from Miami. Um, I mean, he's just stuck in the slot. I think some of these other guys, Miller, I think you can play him like a Sanders, Emmanuel Sanders kind of role inside outside just because of what his skill set, what he can do with his skill set. Alan Lazard, again, I've, I love him. I was in there saying preach when Carl was talking about him. His hands are fantastic. I think they are the best in this class, at least from what I have seen of these guys. I like Jaleel Scott a lot. I'm really high on him. And I think he should be taken in the third or fourth round. He's so big. He's really athletic. He plays to his size. And he's just hard to block. Um, Jamon Moore, Gallup, Chark, Carrington, Aitman. Aitman I like more than Washington as well, too. Is I like all of these guys. I, I think they're talented. I think they have a place to on a team on Sundays. Most of them can, I think they can grow into that being that number two receiver on the outside. Some of them with number one receiver um, potential. Do do they get there? Maybe not. I think James Washington, he's solid, but I think he's overrated. And Cedric Wilson, I think, is really underrated. There's a lot I want to see him do with his um, weight. I think he plays, tries, he doesn't play to his weight because he's a little bit smaller guy, under 200, but he tries to play like he's a lot bigger and it just doesn't look so good on tape. So I'd like to see him add up, get up to at least 200 pounds. But Gallup is going back to Gallup. I mentioned him already. Is just this guy. He's gonna he's he's gonna rise. I think at the combine he's gonna really show up, and I think he's gonna cement himself as probably a second or third round guy. Um, Lazard and Scott, I think they're gonna rise, and they're gonna cement themselves as probably third or fourth round guys. 
these are these guys, this group of wide receivers have the best chance of what of who we've talked about so far of improving their stock at the senior bowl. There's a lot they can do to sit there and just start that upward trend. And if they can carry that over into a combine invite and doing it at the combine, their stock's going to skyrocket. Yeah, and you touched on Cedric Wilson. He's somebody that really has stuck out to me. I remember watching that Oregon game, hook, looking for Justin Herbert and Tyrell Crosby, who are two guys that I've been pretty high on. And honestly, with Vanderich, the linebacker from Boise State, taking over the defensive side, Cedric Wilson was absolutely burning up that Oregon defense. I mean, play after play, he was making plays down the field, underneath. He ended up with 10 catches for 221 yards and a touchdown, with as, long, as well as two rushing attempts. So I agree with you. He plays. He needs to add weight. He has a little bit of twig. He's 6'3", good size, good height, and he can put, make plays down the field. But he's a little bit too much of a twig right now. He needs to get up to about 195, 205. But I'm I'm definitely a big fan of him. DJ Chart, kind of the same thing. 6'4, 198. He I have questions about his ability to get to that second gear. You know, he's can put make plays down the field and he can jump and everything like that. But I don't know if he's much of a guy who has that ability to separate. I didn't really see it much at LSU's and LSU's passing game is bad. It's been bad for as long as I can remember, since Jamarcus, Jamarcus Russell was there, I guess. Even then, questionable, obviously. Hindsight's twenty twenty. But Chark's somebody who's interesting as well that given a chance to go with all these other people here, different quarterbacks, different coaches, going to get a chance to rise up. I think the the two guys that when I was watching, I just kind of went meh. I'm not really that impressed with were Carrington and Chark. Just Carrington, part of it was just he is a I give effort when I want to give effort kind of guy. There were a lot of run plays where he just he just stood there, did nothing. His guy could absolutely just completely crash on on the play on the run play. He didn't try to block him. He didn't he just made business decisions. And for a guy that got kicked out of Oregon and he's still trying to make a career towards the NFL, I'm going, man, you gotta prove something here. You gotta prove that you should be taken by a team. And <clears throat> I just I didn't see it out of him. He makes some spectacular catches. He has some okay route running. He's got some decent athleticism. But again, I'm just a guy that I, I wouldn't want on my team because I don't think he's going to be your team player. He's yeah, going to be your, I'm going to give effort when I feel like you're going to feed me the football. Yeah, I skipped over him, but I wanted to touch on that. Is With him, it's not so much on the field that you want to, that can raise his stock. It's the interviews. Is that stuff going to continue on in, at the NFL level or is he going to grow up and knock it off? Right. And then Shark, it's more just, the way I saw him try to catch a football, he doesn't look like a natural receiver. Alan Lazard, you see him, he just snags that football out of the air like it's nothing. It's like he was meant to do that. Shark is the exact opposite. He is an athlete that they put at wide receiver. There, there are just so many catches where he's bobbling it as he's going down to the ground and he ends up catching it. But in the NFL, where windows are tight, guys are trying to swat that ball out of there. I just don't see him being that that consistent great receiver in the NFL. Yeah, I can't say I disagree. I will say that I'm not as high on Lazard. Maybe I need to go do a retake. Both of you guys were very adamant about that. So I don't know. Very very Iowa State bias. (laughs) Uh, But I'll tell you, man, I am a big David Montgomery fan. Big David Montgomery fan. Seriously, I'm going to put some videos. The thing with Lazard, watch him catch a football. 
you yeah. never you never see that football move. Even when a defender is swatting at his arms, everything that football just sticks and it never moves. I I would just toss it up to him twenty times a game if he's in if he's in single coverage. You just toss it up and just let him go make plays. He's going to come down with 15, 16, 17 of those. Well, there you go. I've, I guess I'll have to recheck him out. So friend of the friend of the show, Jacob Federer, if you're out there listening, he's a big Bronco fan and a big Iowa State fan. You're welcome, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah, but Iowa State, they've really turned that program around. Matt Campbell done good things there, and they're going to be having more players at these events. So I'm excited. And Carl, I think you're going to have to get an interview with Lazard for that reason. I think so. All right. Well, you guys got anything else to say about these wide receivers? Are you ready to get on up out of here? Let's get up on out of here. Get on up. All right. Well, that will wrap up this week's episode of the Huddle Up 2018 NFL Draft Podcast. You can find Carl on Twitter at Carl Dummler MHH, Eric at Eric Trickle, and myself at Nick Kendall MHH. Also, make sure you head on over to Mile High Huddle and affiliate of scout.com and CBS Sports Digital to find ours and our co-writers' articles, not just related to the draft, but all things that pertain to your Denver Broncos. What are you guys working on this week, speaking of articles for the Denver Broncos? I've got some draft review stuff from the previous years. I just actually submitted one late last night. I think it was covering the 2014 draft, and I'm going to be doing it for the 2015, 2016, and 2017 draft. Just kind of reviews and where their grades from how the players stand now. Additionally, here soon, I'm not sure if it's going to be this week or next week due to health issues with me. We have the quarterback debate pieces that we have going um i'm leaning towards next week though just so you two are aware and then i also have another big draft piece coming up have a piece coming up about the senior bowl and some of the advantages of denver coaching it with history of play of the team's coaching picking their player picking players from it and then lastly i also have in the works a piece on it's another senior bowl piece. I just can't remember what it was about off the top of my head. Nice. Well, for me, I have our our draft debate with Bradley Chubb this this week. And I am the the pro side of drafting Bradley Chubb and very excited to to dig into that because the man is just a, a beast and the idea of him opposite of Von Miller, oh my goodness, that that just gets me all excited. So uh, I'm excited to get on that piece and have that here in the next couple days. And then also starting to work on, like Eric had hinted at, the the quarterback debate and trying to get that ready. And then I also want to get some some work on uh, just some guys at the Senior Bowl that I'm very excited to get my eyes on and and just a few questions that I have about them heading into the Senior Bowl. Well, awesome. Yeah, I'm excited to get on that Bradley Chubb one as well. You can follow the Huddle Up podcast by subscribing to us on iTunes and for Android users, Stitcher, as well as check us out on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter at Mile High Huddle and at Huddle Up Pod. Again, please be sure to subscribe and rate us and reach out to us as we love interacting with you fellow Bronco fans, especially as it pertains to the NFL draft. For Carl Dummler, I'm Nick Kendall and Eric. Wow, I have this one copied from earlier. For Carl Dummler and Eric Trickle, I'm Nick Kendall wrapping up another episode of the Huddle Up Draft podcast. We hope you enjoyed it, and we will see you next week. Go Broncos and go draft. Mile high huddle.